Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. The young stars of the 1990s are middle-aged men in the 1980s in 2023's Air, a film based on the true story of the Air Jordan sneaker and Nike's attempts to woo then-basketball rookie Michael Jordan to its fold. And Michael and I watched this movie. We watched the heck out of it, Kevin. I thought this movie was pretty good. Yeah, totally fine. We don't watch a lot of like this movie came out this year. I mean, I guess right. we did Bar- I guess we did Barbie recently. But uh, you know, when you suggested it, I was like, oh, I'd heard, you know, reasonably good things about it. And uh I generally I didn't love this movie. I'm not gonna be on the podcast sort of jumping up and down saying, Oh my god, you people have to watch air. It's it's an undiscovered masterpiece. I think uh <laughs> it's directed by Ben Affleck, who I generally feel is better behind the scenes than in front of the camera. Sure. Like Ben Affleck uh, was in a movie we talked about a few episodes back called Glory Days, in which he was particularly terrible. He was not great. I always, I, I like ben, ben Affleck. I like Ben Affleck in the, the Kevin Smith movies. He seems like he's having a good time. You know, he's kind of, it's, he's, it's like a, you know, he, he was sort of like riding that I'm going to be the dickhead in movies from Mallrats. He's very good in Dazed and Confused as, as the kind of, uh, like right. all, all the people in Dazed and Confused, I think their characters feel very lived in and, and then Dazed and Confused Ben Affleck right. plays O'Banion, who is the sort of senior who's staying back, who feels like, who seems to like get a weird sadistic kick out of the hazing they're doing of the freshmen. Right. Um, Rather than like wanting to party with his friends, he's like more interested in tormenting these kids. And and he plays a fucking asshole really well in that movie. And in Mallrats, you know, Jason Lee's uh, really fun performance aside, like none of the performances in that movie are particularly are like great acting, but that's that movie doesn't call for it. I think he's not great in Chasing Amy, the Kevin Smith movie that came after Mallrats. Um, I, I think Chasing Amy is like an interesting movie, but not a particularly great movie. I think uh, obviously he sort of came to a lot of prominence with the movie Goodwill Hunting, which which I think he's having a lot of fun in that role. Like I like him in Goodwill Hunting. It seems like he's he's kind of relaxed and having a good time in that movie. Yeah, but most most of the acting heavy lifting is done by by Matt Damon, who like is his best friend and who he co-wrote that film with. And uh Matt Damon, I think, is a much stronger actor. Oh yeah. Than Ben Affleck. There are there are a lot of there are Matt Damon performances that I've seen that I, I've like like he's really good in this. Like Matt Damon is fucking great in the talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, he's so good in that movie. He does something with his mouth that I can't quite describe that it's just yeah, it's great. Like there are there are movies I've seen with Matt Damon where I'm like Matt Damon in this movie is is excellent, and I can't think of a Ben Affleck performance like like you said. There are Ben Affleck's perform- performances where it's like he's having fun with this. There are times I've enjoyed him when he's sort of been sending himself up. Um, but I you know I never saw Pearl Harbor. Um, you mentioned the Kevin Smith movies. I never saw Jersey Girl, which I know was Kevin Smith's oh, attempt yeah. to sort of like break out of the 
kind of fanboy stoner niche he had built for himself with Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck acts in this movie too. And again, he's not giving a particularly great performance, but it's kind of a fun performance. He plays Nike CEO Phil Knight in this. And it's a fun performance. It's a little kind of showboaty. But again, Matt Damon, who stars in this movie as uh, Sonny Vaccaro, who is kind of uh, on the basketball marketing team at Nike, does most of the heavy lifting on the acting side compared to Affleck. And Damon's very good in this. I think Viola Davis, who plays Michael Jordan's mom, is excellent in this movie. I think she probably gives the best performance. Right. Yeah, she's great. But a lot of the other supporting players, you know, I I jokingly said at the top, you know, the young stars of the 90s, but Jason Bateman's in this, Chris Tucker's in this, Marlon Wayans in this, Chris Messon is in this, Jay Moore has a small role in this. That's right, Jay Moore. You know, it was fun to watch Chris Tucker. I I like him a lot, and it's kind of good to see him sort of back in movies after kind of a it's been a while is that correct or has he done a bunch of shit that i just don't know about no i think uh you know because i would like we talked about next friday a few episodes back too which chris tucker was not in right he was in the first friday and he didn't appear in the sequel um i think you know the rush hour movies did very well for him i i i think chris tucker kind of found jesus Ah. and went away for a bit um but he's you know, Chris Tucker's really good in this, I thought. Yeah, yeah. There there aren't a ton of bad... There, there are no performances in this that I think are bad. I should note that Michael Jordan as a character is kept not entirely off screen, but almost entirely off screen. There are no close-ups of him. Like, scenes where he's in, he's like shot from behind. Yeah. Um, Which I think as a choice works because, you know, the minute you see a clo- close-up of some... 18 year old actor's face you're going to be like that's not michael jordan <laughs> right right well and he's also kind of like he's almost like this like almost like a benevolent specter over the whole thing you know it's not it's not really the story of michael jordan it's a story about the the phenomenon of michael jordan so i thought it was a good idea that they just sort of keep him almost like as a like as a presence in the film but not necessarily like portraying him as a as a sort of a deeply fleshed out character. Does that make sense? It does. And I think um, Michael Jordan, I don't think was officially involved in this movie, but I had read that uh, Ben Affleck had met with Michael Jordan before they started filming to kind of get his unofficial blessing. Yeah. And Michael Jordan had a few uh, notes on the script that were incorporated into the film. I think uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon did sort of an uncredited rewrite of the script um obviously because they i mean they won an academy award for writing goodwill hunting right um to incorporate michael jordan's suggestions which were to give his mom a bit like a more fleshed out role i think michael jordan's the person who suggested viola davis play his mom oh um i think michael jordan's also the one who asked to have the marlon wayans and the chris tucker characters added because of their importance to him sure sure at nike so you know, it's interesting how even this film like doesn't want to get on Michael Jordan's bad side. Right, and, right. And, and I find Michael Jordan sort of as a public, I say this as someone who is not really a basketball fan, but who is, is someone who obviously knows who Michael Jordan is. I think Michael Jordan is one of those athletes who 
has reached that plateau of, you know, everyone knows who they are. They're sort of uh, uh, synonymous with their sport. I, I, I was almost thinking about like athletes who uh, are tapped to host Saturday Night Live. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that echelon of that. Sure. Sure. Like Wayne Gretzky, Tom Brady, <laughs> Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. I met like LeBron James. I don't know if LeBron James has ever hosted Saturday Night Live. But he could. Michael Phelps, maybe, you know, but Michael Jordan is absolutely one of those people. Um, you know, he starred in a movie with with Bugs Bunny. And, <laughs> um, but it's interesting how I feel like part of Jordan's and part of Jordan's public persona. And I think this I also saw this with Tom Brady is that there is no public persona. Right. Right. You know, the marketing machine behind it is so strong you don't want to be out there kind of saying anything too unpopular right i i know what you mean yeah he, he kind of like the less you say the the better but yeah yeah he's he's enough of a public cipher that that way when someone buys an air jordan they can more easily project themselves onto michael jordan you know hence the like i want to be like mike ad or and you know obviously he you know, he's good on camera. He's good in those commercials, especially the the one Spike Lee directed uh, events where he played, where Spike Lee brought his Mars Blackman character back from the fantastic movie, She's Gotta Have It. Well, I also remember him being really, really great in the Stuart Smalley sketch. When he was on Saturday Night Live, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was on Saturday Night Live. He, like, he, he, he was able to embody that and sort of just let Al Franken do, you know, kind of like, be the be the main focus of the scene and he was just sort of like all right man <laughs> yeah i know what you're doing here i remember that sketch too and i think what that sketch did very smartly was it allowed michael jordan to be funny in a way that wasn't kind of going at ads with his lack of public persona because it was all about how good he was at basketball <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, he was able to just, he was able to be funny just by reacting to Stuart Smalley, which is, you know. Stuart Saul Smalley just kind of saying, like, you may not be the best at dribbling the ball or whatever. <laughs> and the joke is, Kevin, he is the best. Yes, because, uh, you know, Michael, uh, even as someone who does not uh, know that much about basketball, I do know that Michael Jordan was uh, a very skilled player of the game. Yes, yes, you could. I don't think I don't think you're uh, you're going to you're going to set off any uh, alarms there. I think you, you you that's you're pretty in, you're in safe territory stating that Michael Jordan is very good at playing basketball. I don't have a lot of investment in discussions over who is the greatest basketball player of all time because a I don't care and b <laughs> I feel like the way people play the game changes over time. Sure. So comparing a Bill Russell to a Michael Jordan or to a LeBron James is sort of a moot point. But I notice uh, people like a certain type of dude from our generation seems heavily invested in Michael Jordan being the greatest player of all time. I don't know if it's that they want to feel like they were there for it. I mean, sure. I think 
I think watching that, this, you know, the slow motion footage of him doing the crazy leap from the like the from the three point line and and slam dunking the fuck out of that basketball was sort of a a a, a sort of a jaw dropping moment, even for people who weren't necessarily, you know, I I occupy the same space as you as I'm not I'm not really a basketball fan, but that dude sure could do do basketball. <laughs> <laughs> he sure could he sure could do the thing that you're supposed to do. <laughs> Listen, this is this is us talking about sports, Kevin. <laughs> yes, we are mansplaining sports to the world. We're having a hard time. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's <laughs> it's also like it's interesting how like how much in conversation this movie air is with kind of the legend of Michael Jordan, where there's a lot of like you know, I think he could be really great. And, you know, every, obviously everyone in the audience watching this movie knows that he's like the most successful basketball player of his era. So, uh, you know, it, I feel like the movie does a good job of not going too far into the, like, he'll never amount to anything. Right, which is right, right. It's like- <laughs> my least favorite thing about movies that depict like historical times or historical moments. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, that every every film, every um, music biopic. Yeah, you're never going to make a number one hit. It's, I don't believe in you. <laughs> You'll never get anywhere with that guitar. <laughs> if only I could write just one great song. I love it. I do. I I, I do remember reading. Um, that like i'll give a pass for the the movie nowhere boy about john lennon because i remember reading that john lennon's aunt mimi who raised him um used to tell him when he was a teenager you're never going to go anywhere with that guitar and uh he eventually like had an embroidered pillow made with that phrase on it and sent it to her nice yeah well all right that 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 plays sure fair enough you know if only aunt mimi had believed in john lennon the way Mama Jordan believes in Michael. I mean, he could have really done something with that guitar. You know what I mean? Like he he could be like a person people still talk about to this day. <laughs> it had only he had the belief of his aunt. Uh, the movie this reminded me of, which is another kind of sports adjacent movie that isn't really about sports is Moneyball. Sure. Yeah. It it had a very similar, you know, it's funny because I, I, I watched the movie, right, right, you know, right when it came out, it was available on whatever streaming service it was on. And I, it sort of just like washed over me and I enjoyed it. Uh, but it didn't, I didn't have a lot of emotional stake in it. Um, being that I was never really much of a fan of, of basketball, but it was a damn pleasant watch. Well, I think part of that is Michael. Uh, I think this movie is very competently made and is breezy and fun. Yeah. But I also think uh, it, kind of faints towards some greater meaning and it never actually commits to it (laughs) right yeah it's just like i think is part of part of the issue i think with the air jordan uh you can get into like this is an expensive shoe that was marketed to a lot of kids who could not afford it (laughs) Um, I think you could get into, I mean, I think, I think it does pay some heed to the fact that uh, companies like Nike are making a lot of money off black athletes. Yeah. And 
how that is perhaps unfair. And there's a speech by Viola Davis where she's trying to get equity in the shoe sales for Michael that sort of hammers that point home a bit. But I also think it doesn't kind of go far enough with it. It seems like a bit of an aside. Yeah, I I like there are times watching it where I'm sort of like, I'm not sure what this movie is about. (laughs) It's about success, Kevin. It's like capitalism wins. Like, I guess like (laughs) it's about a bunch of executives making a successful marketing plan. But I feel like for this movie to be really great, it needs to have a larger subtext than it does. Right. Yeah. Everyone agrees that the shoe looked awesome and that Michael Jordan is awesome at basketball, but like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, there's that doesn't seem to be a, a, a much interest in a, in sort of a deeper exploration of that. Affleck's doing a, has, has like a funny wig and <laughs> Matt Damon's reliably good in this, but his character doesn't seem to really change over the course of the movie. Right. Yeah. There's not, yeah, there's not a lot of story arc there. It's true. You know, Jason Bateman's always fun to watch. Hey, hey, you gotta love Jason Bateman. Seems like a likable guy. I did, Kevin, have a a bit of a problem with the with the skateboarding scene in the film. Okay, let's set this up. Okay. So Matthew Marr, the actor plays a character named Peter Moore, who is the person who designed the Air Jordan. And early in the film, you see him uh, skateboarding to work. And Ben Affleck as Phil Knight, like comments on that and says, why is he skateboarding to work? And uh, later on in the film, Matt Damon asks him about the skateboard and he just says, I'm having a midlife crisis. And you have a comment about the skateboarding i believe well it it's so the it, with whatever skateboarding is depicted in 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 film and it's being depicted uh as something that has happened in the past there's always i think a they do it in the in the the uh the z boys uh movie and they do it in some other movies where there's always a temptation for the person doing the skateboarding to do an era inappropriate trick. And it's usually based on the person doing the skateboarding as a stunt skateboarder, kind of wanting to get a little bit more on screen than just kind of carving and rolling around. And this movie is set in 1984. And the gentleman doing the skateboarding is supposed to be about a 40 year old man. And as a as era appropriate as the board is, uh, it did irk me that it's brand spanking new, which means that somebody just went to a fucking local zoomies and bought like a what would a skateboard look like in 1984, which is that's forgivable, whatever. It's you know, it's a kind of a throwaway scene. Uh, the skateboarder in question doing a kickflip in 1984 is a fucking no go. <laughs> the kickflip was a at at that point a super rarefied trick that like three dudes were doing, and one of them was not a 40 year old shoe designer <laughs> in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> it was it was, and they almost had it because he was sort of just carving around and sort of doing the kind of skateboarding that a guy in that at that age in that era would be doing and then he does a goddamn kickflip and i was like and it, you know and i i immediately looked it up and the stunt performer is a guy named uh patrick millen 
who is in his own right. He's kind of one of those like full circle extreme sports guys. He does a lot of wakeboarding and rollerblading and there's footage of him skating. And he is a, I will say it. He is a damned decent skateboarder. And I just know that he was like, I want to throw it a kickflip because it's ex- kickflip is an exciting trick. The board magically flips under your feet without the use of your hands or the use of, you know, of any other implements. And it looks awesome. But in 1984, that was not fucking happening. And it 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 really stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, and I and it's funny because I was really there's actually a little more skateboarding that I believe happens in one of the trailers that I saw that touches on the fact that in 1984, for for the better part of the second half of the eighties, the best skate shoe on the market was, was the, was the Nike, Nike air Jordan. Like it was very supportive of your ankle and your, and your, the, your, the bottom of your foot. And once it broke in, if there was a what we what they call in the skate industry, there was a lot of board feel, meaning you could feel the board under your feet. And the offerings from skate companies at that time were like a you know, vans had a couple of shoes, but they would you could destroy them in a day of skateboarding. You know, a Converse All Star was a cheap alternative, but it's that's a basically a slipper with a sole on it. And Nike Nike came out with uh, by the way, funny aside, uh, it wasn't until very recently I thought that the singular of Nike was Nike and not Nike. Hmm. But apparently it's always pronounced Nike or Nikes. <laughs> but in my head, I was reading it as Nike, and I think that might have something to do with my name being Mike and just reading it as Nike. But anyway, I I I uh I digress. There that it was for a long time. Like if you could get your hands on a pair of Air Jordans, you see it in in skate magazines of the era all the time. I think after a while, Converse all star Converse had a similar sort of boot style sneaker, and so did Adidas that were kind of like, you know, sort of like uh, uh, that were developed in in. God, I, you know, I'm being careful because I don't want to say they were ripping off the Air Jordan. Perhaps they existed before that. But that style shoe was was really, really, really well regarded in skateboarding. And I thought it was really cool that they touched on it in the movie. But the kickflip? Nope. <laughs> I mean, the Air Jordan, as as the movie goes to great pains to explain, was a massively popular sneaker. Oh, yeah. Huge. And like, uh, like you know, I think I was in elementary school when it came out. And I knew about Air Jordans. Yeah. Um, I think... That I do want to give a shout out to Matthew Marr, who plays Peter Moore, because he's uh, someone who I'm always kind of delighted to see on screen. Because back when I used to go to a lot of theater, I wound up seeing him in a couple plays. Oh, awesome. Boston. He was kind of kicking around the Boston theater scene for a bit. I remember I saw him in a play called The Communist Dracula Pageant. So, <laughs> um, so shout out to him. And I actually think. I know people who know him. So I'm like, I was like, should we try and get him on the show? That would be pretty neat. Himself, but, um, yeah, yeah. but you know, he's shown up in other things since. Uh, so, but and he's, I think he's become kind of a reliably uh, great kind of, Hey, it's that guy actor. So I love those actors. Thumbs up Matthew Marr yeah. as Peter Moore. Um, speaking of, you know, you mentioned this is the eighties. I loved the, it's the eighties montage. Yes. Off the top of the film, because I'm like, what are they going to put in? Oh, there's Princess Di. 
There's Ray Diet and Coke. Will Max Headroom make an appearance? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. Um, loved that. Uh, there's Mary Lou Retton. Um, I loved all the super obvious. It's the '80s music needle drops. Sure. Like one of the things I find interesting about movies set in a time period like this is uh, it assumes that people in a time period only listen to the music that came out that year. Right. <laughs> Whereas in the eighties was no one listening to music from the 1970s. <laughs> like could Phil Knight maybe in his purple Porsche be playing an eight track of Fleetwood Mac's rumors album. <laughs> it's like that. Well, it will, you know, and it's funny because the, in in some ways, filmmakers are better about that. I always thought it was. I always think it's a good trick when a movie set in a particular era. And I, I think Days and Confused is actually a really good example of this. Like because it's set, what I don't know what year that is. What seventy six? It's the bicentennial, Michael. It's the bicentennial. It, but it's not like everyone is driving a car from the year nineteen seventy six. They're they're driving older automobiles because, you know, like people are driving shitty used cars. I feel like that's a, that's an example where they they kind of movies tend to nail that. But you're right. Anyone turning on the radio in 1984 is immediately going to just be listening to Huey Lewis on the news. It's like, no, man, like the the yeah, I'm sure that, you know, the temptations were still doing a pretty fair trade on most radio stations at that point. But I mean, my dad was listening to to the oldies. But while they were still contemporary and and was certainly not driving around listening to fucking Mr. Roboto or whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm fairly certain that my father is unaware that a, a musical act named Led Zeppelin even existed on the planet. <laughs> right. Point. Yeah. My dad, like, knows a lot about music, but his knowledge ends in 1963. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I feel like Led Zeppelin are exactly right at the end of my dad's interest in music. Like my dad, I remember my dad being very adamant that after a certain point, the Beatles had was something that he lost interest in, like after Rubber Soul, and he was not aware of the who or the or Led Zeppelin, or that, or that, or at least that though any of those bands did anything after maybe the year nineteen sixty five. That Michael, the Beatles got very strange after nineteen sixty five. That's true. They would. They, I think I, my my suspicions and my father's suspicions, Kevin, was that they were smoking the wacky tobacco. I have heard things to the effect that uh, the Beatles were not entirely drug free. It's true. They were they were they were dancing with the devil's lettuce, Kevin. And uh and my father was not having it, as I'm sure yours was not either. So So if there was and there were a lot of like middle-aged dude, people who were my parents' age in the mid-80s in this movie, and they're all listening to the go-go's. And none of them are listening <laughs> to what they probably listened to when they were you know, 19 or 20, which is the music most people listen to is what was popular when they were teenagers. When they were about nine, yeah, 18 or 19, when, when that, when your job was to like bands, you know, I, and I <laughs> wish I could escape from that whirlpool as well. And I occasionally like to make feints towards like, I like new things, but you know, if I am like sort of Looking for musical comfort food. I'm pulling out the fucking REM records. Right. You know, being a fan of hip hop has kept me 
relatively current and it's old, but but i admit that there's a defensiveness there because there's so many people are falling for the back in my day and i just can't i can't abide a fan of hip-hop music falling into that weird nostalgia trap so i try to listen to new things all the time but i will concede that yeah when i want to listen to something more comforting and and something a little more familiar i'm not listening to like the newest kendrick lamar album i'm listening to fucking tribe called quest or public enemy you know we're talking about a basketball movie yeah well you know basketball it's the same it's shooting hoops and kevin we're just we're 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 free and loose with it yeah it's not really a bad it's a basketball movie the way friday night lights was about football man sure i can tell you that on three separate occasions i tattooed the nike nike air jordan leaping logo on people it's a hard tattoo to do because it's not a the, there's not a lot of spots on the body where you can get the entire image without it kind of curling around so. did any of them have a banner that said like mike no no none of that none just of do that. it did any of them say just do it some just do it yes a couple of just do it's a couple okay. of uh you know superimpose the the swoosh in the background kind of thing you know you know People people love those sports. They love the sports, Kevin. I'm I'm aware of that. It's uh like one of my kids is like clearly got the sports bug. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, so this is I mean, obviously it's something I know that people are into. And I'm like, like, wow, he's he's really into it. And it's you know, it's not something I like, but I think it's cool that he's so passionate about it. What what's what kind of sports is he favoring right now? Uh baseball really seem to like hit him where he lives and yeah. uh recently football's kind of been because it's football season he's you know sure yeah sort of been interested in that i think he just i think he's just into it in general i like i like baseball i like watching i can i can watch baseball i can it's a game i can follow there and there are there are baseball movies that i love oh man uh, I think Bull Durham is like Bull one Durham. of the best movies. Kevin, I love you so much. That's my that's my top one. That's it. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But you know what? It's it's not the only one. No, no. You know it's a dark horse uh, baseball movie that I love. Major League. Stealing Home. Oh, Stealing Home with Mark Harmon and Jodie Foster. As you know, Kevin, I am a fan of Mark Harmon. <laughs> I love his work, and he is great at Stealing Home. <laughs> That's Stealing Home is interesting because that is a movie that Jodie Foster made after she went to college and had taken time off yes. of acting. And that was like one of her, like, I'm in a, because she had been a child actress and she came back and was like, I'm an adult actress now. And I make adult movies like Stealing Home. And I think uh, that was not the right venue for her talents because it was after that, that she started like racking up Oscars and shit. Right. I think it's an interesting curiosity. Yeah, it's a it's it's uh it's it's not a great movie, but it is one of the movies <laughs> that one are of the movies of it, your life. One of the movies that exists. There's a there's the genre of movies that just sort of seem to always be on HBO when I was a kid, and Stealing Home is certainly one of those films. I feel like uh Mark Harmon's greatest moment in cinema is the film summer school oh my goodness we we still have not confirmed it there, there, it it seems impossible to me that there's no skateboarding in summer school 
I feel like much like with the Barbie movie, because it sort of takes place on the Southern California boardwalk. Yeah. Someone on that movie is riding a fucking skateboard. At you some know point. what? We're gonna have to we're gonna have to confirm that because man, I do love summer school. What with your chainsaw? Oh, it's so good. And your <laughs> it's what's what's his, what's chainsaw's buddy's name? Dave and Chainsaw. Dave and Chainsaw. That's right. Yes. That's, oh man, that's Wonder stuff. Mutt. Yeah. Wonder Mutt. It's it's. I mean, Christy Alley. Christy Alley never made a bad picture. It's a delightful film. <laughs> It sure is, Kevin. I agree. <laughs> so you're saying Kirstie Alley never made a bad film, though? Hey, look, man. That, that I may not be able <laughs> to to let go. Um, I might say, Mike, look who's talking about that, for instance. Now, Kevin, it's a, it's a franchise. Give it a little grace. <laughs> she was in Loverboy, for Christ's sake. Patrick Dempsey as a male prostitute. What could go wrong? <laughs> which is uh interesting because patrick jameson was also in that movie can't buy me love which uh was sort of like him paying a woman to pretend to be his girlfriend yeah what yeah. is it with patrick dempsey and uh and the world of paying for affection was he was also in a movie set like in the 40s about like a young kid who married a bunch of a bunch of different he's kind of got a he's kind of got a thing he's very charming he's a little nebbish one might say he's the michael jordan <laughs> of films about paying for affection. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's that's his over. And I love I love it to death, Kevin. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime.